You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have Keith Carlson on with us from Nurse Keith Coaching. Keith, thanks so much for being here with us today. Well, thanks for having me, Katie. Uh, so um, you have been um, in this realm <laughs> of coaching for, for quite a bit. I feel like you're one of the pioneers. Um, so why don't you give us a little bit of background about um, you as a nurse and then how you got into coaching? Oh, okay. Well, I became a nurse in 1996, so it's 26 years ago. And coaching came into my world, I don't know, somewhere around 2008 or so. And I just started kind of checking it out. I was just sort of exploring this thing that was emerging and starting to seem so popular. And, you know, in, in terms of nurses, it was kind of, I was the rare person you found who was a nurse who was involved in coaching at the time. And it became apparent to me that things that I had to say were, were, finding of somewhat of an audience. And I actually launched one of the very first nursing blogs on the internet in 2005. And that, that blog is still going. And based on what I had observed from people reaching out to me on that, and then with the coaching thing, it, I, I put two and two together and realized, oh, there's something here. So I started doing a little bit of coaching here and there, and then formalized it at a certain point into actually like you know, charging money, which is often a good thing. And out of that was born podcasting. I launched, we launched a very early nursing podcast, RNFM radio back in 2012. It was one of the very, very first nursing podcasts. So that one thing kind of led to the other, you know, coaching, speaking, writing, recording podcasts, and diving more and more into that nursepreneurial world, which seemed to just continue to open up more and more as those years went by. Yeah. I mean, I, I really feel like you got into the coach. I mean, you got into all of this very early, but I mean, particularly the coaching, I mean, how is that different in 2008 as it is compared to today? Cause there's way more people in that space. Um, yeah. And I feel like you're one of the pioneers there that got people yeah. interested well not many people knew what it was at the time there were life coaches and health coaches like that's kind of where it seemed to land around 2008 and there were a few career coaches out there donna cardillo was probably the original nurse career coach and then she kind of passed the baton to me at a certain point and that was very kind and also you know, she served as a mentor in many ways. And that space just continued to open up and people started to seem to understand more what it actually meant. And I think the life coaching thing sort of opened the door for everybody. And health coaching, I think, was the thing that made the most sense to the most people. 
But the life coach thing, you know, as much as it was the butt of jokes and things at first and late night television and everything, I mean, makes a lot of sense to me and always did and continues to. And now, you know, we have um, spiritual coaches and relationship coaches and business coaches. And I think it's fairly mainstream now. And the space has just become obviously more crowded. There are quite a few other nurse career coaches, and it seems every few months a new one pops up. <laughs> so they're around and I don't mind. It's fine. And I think, I think having, having it normalized among the nursing population is a good thing. And nurses realizing that coaching has some, some legs to it. And that actually has some viability in the marketplace gives people ideas and inspiration of things they might be able to do themselves. Yeah, I, I feel like the the life coaching in particular is just kind of the wrong word because basically that is what uh, a lot of the coaching is. It's like helping you through your life, but it mm -hmm. did kind of set itself up for uh <laughs> um but you know it's it's one of those things that we all do appreciate. Now you talk about um what you were just talking about, about new nurses coming into this space. And, you know, it was just as hard, I would imagine, uh, and you can contradict me if if so, that to establish yourself as a nurse coach with nobody knowing really what coaching was to get started in that time period as it would be with lots of competition in this time period. What do uh -huh. you think about that thought? Well, each period offers its own challenges with more and more nurse career coaches out there. Obviously that has its own challenges. And then entering the space when there weren't other people doing it was a challenge in and of itself. One thing that really helped was the international nurse coach association being formed by Barbara Dossi and Susan Locke and Jean Watson. And, you know, that being codified into a textbook and then into an actual certification that, was, you know, has been recognized by nursing bodies so that, you know, doing the the NC-BC, the board certified nurse coach, and then holistic um, nurse coach, all those other designations kind of really gave it legitimacy within the nursing field. So I think people being able to get actual nurse coaching training and certification, not just doing some training with some organization that does health coaching training with healthcare professionals, but really with nurses, by nurses, for nurses, I think the legitimacy really catapulted it. And mm -hmm. I was in one of those first cohorts who got that designation. And now there's hundreds and hundreds of people who have that designation of board certified nurse coach. And I think even, even health insurance companies are recognizing it. You know, back in 2008, 2009, that was not the case. <laughs> I'm but sure. Kind of pick your poison. Like either period has it had had and has its challenges. Right. But they're all, they all have ups and downs. Business has ups and downs no matter what you're doing and when you're doing it. Right. And I would say, I mean, a lot of the stuff that, or really that you almost provide a recipe for how to stand out by setting up a blog, going on podcast, having your own podcast, um, getting certified, uh, and really establishing a name for yourself. And it that's just as hard to do when nobody else is doing it as to when everybody's doing it, but they don't put quite the same 
uh, I'm going to say effort in, because um, a lot of people I feel like depend on, I don't know, social media um, mm -hmm. or just, you know, their presence, but they don't really give that, um, they don't get their framework or their philosophy. And I feel like you've done that in your blogs and your speaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've done my best and I continue to try to continue to clarify and um, hone my message and make it even more and more clear and easy to understand what I'm about, like what my silos are and aren't in terms of what I offer and what I do. And that's, I think it's been fairly successful. You know, there's always more things one can do and there's only so much money and so much time and so much energy. So you have to kind of pick your battles carefully. So do you work one-on-one um, -on -one or group coaching? Um, I do one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. I've done a little bit of group coaching in the past, but personally, I don't, find in my particular world that's what people are clamoring for people want one-on-one -on -one personalized attention and group coaching is great it has its place and it can also hold certain people back in the group where other people are sort of you know not quite where they are so if you're going to do a group it has to be pretty carefully selected and curated so that it's a good mix but i personally just prefer the intimacy of one-on-one -on -one. that really works for me and so i don't i don't really promote or even tell people i offer group coaching if if a group of people you know if a few friends or colleagues approached me and they wanted something specific and they both or all wanted the same thing i would consider that but i'm 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 comfortable with what i do Right. So the bulk of what you do is, is one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, and I, and I can appreciate that a lot, especially because uh, we do a lot of the mentoring with the business and on the business side of things. And it's, it's hard in a group because, you know, you have the people that don't want to speak up and then the people that do speak up that, you know, never, <laughs> they're, they're always kind of monopolizing that, uh, that space and it's hard to get them to where you want to get them. So it's kind of this like muddled version of what you really wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so this is what you've done is is basically the the recipe for becoming an influencer, uh, even if you um, were you intentionally setting out to do that? Or is that is that something that just happened because you did all the things <laughs> that they tell you to do to be an influencer? It just sort of happened. I mean, at a certain point, I realized or maybe others pointed out to me what I was doing. And then I was like, oh, huh. <laughs> you know, I'll do a little more of that, a little more of that. So at a certain point you, you do, when you start to have your efforts reflected back to you from people out there in the world, it kind of gives you sort of a tap on the shoulder. It's like, oh, you're doing this part, right? And, oh, people are noticing this part about what you do or who you are. And when you have that experience, then you realize, oh, so yeah, there's this certain piece I can push forward. Maybe I can do a little bit more with this particular thing because I actually really like it and it seems to have some teeth and some legs to it, you know? So it, it, I've always said, and I maintain that, that you listen to the marketplace, you listen to the world around you, you listen for feedback and you just watch 
And you get the messages you need. Like when people keep reaching out to you for the same thing and people then praise you or give you feedback that what you delivered to them was helpful and positive, then that gives you affirmation that that particular path you chose was working. And yep. if you're not getting the feedback on a particular part of your business or venture, maybe you're very attached to it, like it's really precious to you, but maybe it's not particularly working, you could keep pumping time and money and energy into that. But at a certain point, maybe there's certain pieces you might say, hmm, I'm not really going to give that much attention anymore. Right. Or maybe you decide that it's a hobby portion or your passion project, yeah, <laughs> and not the money that's maker. True. That's <laughs> true. And it's fine to have those things. I think it's awesome to have those things. You just have to be very, very conscious about what you're choosing to do or not do at any given time. Right. And recognize that if it is a passion project that you're not in it for uh, you know, to make the money, that's not going to pay the bills, but it's uh, something that you really love spending your energy on. Right. Um, so I have a question. Do you have, um, do you use paid ads at this point or how do you do your marketing? How do you get your clients? Hmm. Um, gosh, I haven't paid for an ad in, let's see, six years, five, maybe five years. Let's be fair. Maybe five. <laughs> I never mastered it, never felt it was a worthy investment. And when people ask me like, how do you get noticed? And how do you have so many followers? And I'm like, I put out lots of really good, high quality, relevant content over and over and over and over and over and over again, ad nauseum. Yeah. And that's what I do. And I, I show up here, I show up there, you know, and I just keep giving the same messages over and over in different ways so that certain portions of or certain aspects of what I do start to come out to the fore and people do what I did earlier. They start to give me feedback that, oh, that thing is valuable. So I just, I write, I podcast, I post on social media, I guest on other people's platforms and I just keep doing what I do. So no, I don't spend money on ads at all. That's awesome. Um, to me, it's a I, total waste of time. Yeah. And I, I think that it's, the time and effort that you put into all the things that you just said is not always the answer people want to hear because ads, you can throw money at it and then, you know, go away and, you know, maybe money comes pouring back in and in your dreams or something. I'm not sure how that works, but um, the <laughs> time and effort that you put intentionally into creating content and being of service to others. One is a great, um, you know, use of nursing skills as far as I'm concerned, but uh, two is also a very effective marketing um, avenue for you. It really is. It really is. And sure. I mean, if you have lots of liquid cash and you can throw it at Facebook ads and all those things and feel like you can game the system or you're going to hire somebody to do those things for you, you can go for it and then you can do a cost benefit analysis to see if it really is worth your while. I realized early on is like, I can't be bothered. Yeah. And that's my basic attitude. <laughs> like I cannot be bothered. And when you're talking about one-on-one, -on -one, there's only so many clients you can handle. So, I mean, do you really want a large volume of people coming in? <laughs> right, exactly. And I think 
I think it's you have to choose what your particular um, avenues are and what makes sense to you and double down on the things that make sense. And then, like I said earlier, like if you have something that you're very precious about, but it's not really working, having the courage and the presence of mind to abandon certain things when they're not working. Yeah. So tell us what types of uh, nurses or clients you have. Do you have a like an avatar or somebody, not stereotypical, but somebody that um, you know comes to you on a regular type of basis? Well, yes. Um, one would be the nurse who is just a year or two or three into their career. They've kind of paid some dues and gotten the lay of the land. And they're like, now what do I do? <laughs> so I get a lot of people along those lines, people who feel like they were fed a certain narrative in nursing school. Like you got to work three years in med surge or whatever it is, you know? And I'm always like, <laughs> I got that narrative. Just, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I got that narrative, but I rejected it. And um, from the very beginning, never worked in a hospital ever in 26 years. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Never, ever, ever. Not a day. Oh my God. So, yeah. You really, really rejected that narrative. <laughs> I, I tend to do things my own way. And if you tell me I should do something, I generally do the opposite. <laughs> So when everyone, when everyone was like, that's some professional suicide to not get a med surge job. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> let's see about that. <laughs> Let me show you how it's not professional suicide. Yeah. Look how terrible so, your career turned out. <laughs> yeah. It's been awful. It's just been terrible. I've been unemployed for a quarter century. Um, anyway, back to, I digress. So where were we? <laughs> oh, my clients. So yeah, people who are a couple years in and they just may need some help, like refiguring, like, okay, I like swallowed hook, line and sinker. I've been doing this particular thing and now I need a change. So I get a lot of people in those realms. I also get some who are 10, 15, 20 years in who just need to change direction because they're either bored or they're burnt out or they just need something different. Maybe their kids have gone off to college. So now their life has changed or they've gotten divorced or something's changed in their life or they've turned 50 and they're just like, you know what? I need something new. And I do get some who are right out of school or not quite out of school. And then there's then small cohorts of people who want help learning to write and blog or use social media or podcast. I've helped people do podcasting. Um, those are the general um, buckets or silos of, of clients who work with me. There's a few others, but those are the main ones. Okay. Uh, why do you think they, they feed us that narrative to go into med surge? I mean, are they in the cahoots with like the hospital or I mean, what's the deal with that? No. I think, and many other people like Liam Caswell, who you had on your show not long ago, we both think, and others think, and Donna Cardillo agrees that it's just a myth within nursing that arose and continues to be propagated by educators in academia, and then also nurses and nursing students themselves. And it causes this sense of panic and, mm -hmm. and um, lack and fear. And yes, I will acknowledge that if one does not do one's 
couple years in med surge like I did not. There's certain things you don't learn. And, you know, there's a liability in that. But there's also a liability in in pigeonholing oneself into acute care. And then I've had nurses of 10 years, 15 years experience come to me and say, I don't know if I don't know of anything I can do outside the hospital. Yeah. No, that's I, like, I had that problem really? too. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I I've it was really um it's really blinding because you're in the hospital setting, you're in this kind of like bubble of sorts, and you cannot think of one single thing that you could do outside of the hospital and it's mm -hmm. bizarre it's almost like it's hidden from us <laughs> which is why i have this podcast because i wanted to go out and find people that were actually doing something other than working in the hospital yeah but you know what it's hidden in plain sight because mm. there are nurses working dialysis and home health and hospice and and ambulatory surgery and you run into them all the time as a patient and as a healthcare provider right however there are also these other myths that are propagated and judgments, not even myths, but real judgments that, you know, hospital nursing is the only real nursing mm. or ICU nursing is the only real hospital nursing or ED or something, right? right. Like, oh, med surge, just like, you know, that's where people go out to, you know, just go out to pasture or that's where people get <laughs> stuck, you know, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, med surge is actually a specialty and there's actually a you know, med surge nursing association, because some people love it. Mm -hmm. And I just think these narratives cause us to feel limited and there's no reason to feel limited. Yeah. Actually, they just recently changed it. I can't remember, but I mean, I say recently, it might be five years. Me, that's recent, but the AANP uh, for uh, nurse practitioners uh, or no, not, not AANP, whatever uh, group, does the ACNP, AGA, CMP for nurse practitioners, they had a clause in there that you had to do a clinical nurse practitioner practice in order to, you know, you have to have a certain number of clinical hours in order to renew your uh, certification, which is ridiculous mm -hmm. because here mm -hmm. we are trying to push nurse practitioners into leadership, but saying, well, now you don't qualify for the exam because you didn't do any bedside hours, whatever that means. Uh -huh. um, and that narrative is pushed throughout, even like in academics, we have that kind of stigma that we're not at the bedside. Therefore, we don't know what we're talking about. It's it's very narrow minded. Yeah. I mean, I, I know nurses who are super happy in research, you know, and whether they work with patients or not. And there's plenty of places where you can hang your hat. You just have to realize, like I said a few minutes ago, that everything you choose to do has liabilities and, right. and everything you do has things, gifts that it's going to give you. And it's up to you to assess whether those liabilities and gifts make sense for you in, in given time and in the trajectory of what you're trying to create for yourself. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that because there's so many different personalities and there's so many different things. Like it kills me when people say, oh, I'd never recommend somebody go into nursing. I'm like, why not? Like you could do anything with nursing. Mm -hmm. Like you get that basic nursing degree and uh, then you the sky's the limit. But like you said, that we've been so limited with what that limit is um, that it, yeah. it's just been yeah very, like you said, narrow-minded. Very. I mean, there are nurses who advise on medical scripts for TV shows and um, 
and movies or actually yeah alice benjamin does that i was fascinated i was like oh my god that's who who would have thought (laughs) yeah it's super cool and there's nascar nurses and disney nurses and cruise nurses yeah yeah so nascar nurses yeah somebody's got to be right i guess so I always wanted to do, I wanted to do the family nurse practitioner because the embassies all over the world have, um, they have clinics and they're run by nurse practitioners. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, cool. That was my dream. But then I had my son and I'm a single mom. So I'm like, I can't really drag this child all over the world. <laughs> uh, well, you heard it here first, folks. Get, go to those embassies, find a job. <laughs> yeah, it's a cushy job. So mm. Um, all right, Keith, well, what is the kind of the big picture for you? What are you uh, looking to do, hoping to, um, you know, what is your legacy going to look like? That's hmm. a big question. My legacy. Hmm. It's a very interesting question. Well, I hope that through the ways in which I've influenced and influence and maybe will continue to generations, well, several generations of nurses, to be able to feel empowered to make choices that make sense for them and to not buy into those narratives that there's only one way to do anything. And if there's anything I like people to take away, it's that you really don't need to let people should all over you, right? Because everyone's going to tell you, you should do this. You should do that. You should do this. And Like I said, when people tell me that I usually run the other way and that can, you can burn yourself that way too, by just being a rebel for being a rebel, just for the sake of it. But I want people to realize the breadth and depth of what the profession and nursing professionals are capable of and what the possibilities are, and then forge pathways for themselves that are satisfying and where they can earn a living and have a work style and lifestyle that makes them happy. I mean, that's like the bottom line to me. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. Thanks. All right, Keith. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always, it's always a pleasure to see you and to see your stuff out there in the world. And I hope everyone has a wonderful upcoming year in 2023 and makes the most of every opportunity in their lives. Thanks.